0: Give me your name, your first and last name, and the spelling.
1: My name is uh, Michael Panther. Mayan. I think the last first two names are easy to spell out. Yeah. The last name is a little different. Okay. It's African name. So Mayan is M-A-Y-E-N. So Michael Panther, like Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Mayan. And yeah, so people normally just call me Michael Panther. So nobody actually knows about my last name
0: and you are participating in the chicago marathon yes what's the terms that you use
1: well um i'm racing yeah the, uh, uh, i'm racing the chicago marathon i'm a person with disability so i'm in a wheelchair myself mm-hmm. and so uh, i decided this year i'm gonna try my first chicago marathon my first marathon ever so we'll see how that goes
0: Welcome to Miles for Change. I'm your host, Jen Salvo, coaching you through the heartwarming stories of the athletes racing 26.2 miles to raise money and support for someone else. Michael Panther Megan is a para-athlete and a Dare to Try athlete. He does these events using a racing wheelchair, and this year, he's training for the Chicago Marathon. But his mission is much bigger than himself. He's sending wheels all across Africa, so get ready, get ready set let's go this miles for change bonus mile is with Michael panther man now what is your organization called
1: uh, my organization is called living with hope and the goal is to provide mobility uh, to people in uh, in Africa who don't have the resource to get those kind of mobility devices
0: tell me about the motivation behind starting this organization like what was what inspired you to want to do this
1: um, so, the organization really started out on my personal story uh, as a person with disability who was born in Africa. I experienced a lot of pain, uh, suffering, struggle, uh, because over there, people with disability are viewed as people who have no value or a cost to the society. And, and so, this is where I was born. as somebody that, has, that was being viewed as uh, useless in the society. And so uh, when I, uh, I, I came to the US and I saw the, you know, how people with disability are viewed, how they are loved, how they are taken care of, uh, it kind of started something in my heart to be able to, uh, to go back to Africa and, and serve those who have been neglected
0: for too long. You were not born with a disability, correct? It came about and yes. when you were a, a, a boy, though, right? Almost a teenager?
1: Yes. So a little bit about my background. Mm-hmm. I was born in a country called South Sudan. During that time, it was called Sudan. And for people who know a little bit about history, uh, Sudan has, has gone through a lot of decades of civil war, very intense civil war. And that is where I was born. So in my younger age, I knew nothing but war. I didn't know what peace meant. And on top of that, I got sick. And because of the war, uh, they didn't have any medical facilities there. And So my dad and I had to journey to the neighboring country called Kenya to look for treatment. Uh, And the journey took us long. Uh, from the time that I made it to that hospital, it has already been two years since I got sick. And by then, you know, the disease has already done a lot of damage to my body. Um, so the doctors were just trying to save my life. And they really did save my life, but I was confirmed in a in a wheelchair.
0: What were you sick with? What Was it something that was happening in the area that you lived?
1: Uh, the, the doctors at that point, uh, we didn't know because nobody okay. had the medical expertise to diagnose me mm. in Sudan. Um, but when I finally made it to Kenya to the hospital there, um, they found out that it was a uh, tuberculosis of spine, TB of spine
2: oh. that has
1: affected my spine and that uh, could easily be treated mm-hmm. just with, the, with antibiotics. Uh, if you're given antibiotics, you will be fine uh, for six months. If you take those one, but because of uh, no medical facilities in South Sudan, uh, the condition got worse.
0: So when you and your dad got there, what happened next in Kenya at the medical facilities?
1: It was a, quite a journey. You know, I had already been given hoping live at that time, and then I made it to this hospital, this mission hospital. You know, I just I was so excited. You know, this this is gonna be it. I'm gonna be able to be treated, and I'm gonna get up and work and go back to enjoy my life as a young boy. Uh, but you know, that was not the case. I went through a lot of complication uh, after the spine surgery, and you know, it took a lot of miracle to to be able to be alive. And at the time. Uh, I started now using the wheelchair, and the doctor say, you know, if I let you go back to South Sudan in the war, you're not going to be nobody. So instead, I'm going to let you go to school. So that mission doctor let me go to school for the first time uh, in 2007, and that really changed my life.
0: Where did you go to school at?
1: Well, I went to school in Kenya at first okay. and, you know, finished uh, high school there. And then after uh, I, I finished high school, um, that mission doctor was from here, yeah, from the U.S., from Michigan. So he, in, he invited me to come to the U.S., and I came in 2012 to go to school.
0: Mm. So when the doctor was like, "Um, you're going to go to school and you're going to stay here," what about your family? Like your dad bringing you there?
1: Yeah, my, you know, I had the rest of my family back in the Sudan. Mm-hmm. And and the time, you know, it took me a while to be uh, at the hospital as I was recovering. But then my family, I had little siblings Mm -hmm. and my mom were back in Sudan. And so uh, it was really hard for for both of us to be away from them and just know what was going on in South Sudan, the war that was going on at that time. Uh, We really didn't have a lot of communication with them. So we don't know if they're alive or, or not. They didn't know if uh, I was alive or if my dad you know is alive also. So we just kind of uh, in this situation where we're just thinking a lot about them. and I reached a point where I say, you know, dad, go back home to my family so that you know you'll be there for them. And I know that this hospital was taking good care of me. And I know I said that I think I'm going to survive. You will leave me here. So my dad ended up going back to Sudan, and I stay uh, at the hospital.
0: That's pretty amazing because you were, what, 11 or 12 at that point then?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Whew. Wow. You, like, turned into an adult that day.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, and that's. Sometime I felt like they, and, you know, my family back in Sudan, they gave they sacrificed a lot
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to, to let my dad leave, you know, with me. So I saw that that's really incredible love that they showed me. And I just say that, okay, I think where I am, I will survive. And you, you got to go back and, and
0: be with the family. So fast forward to you coming here and having to kind of learn a whole new way of life, not just... Being in a new country, but also using a wheelchair. And, well, I mean, that was several years later, right? When you finally came here, it was probably like, what, seven years later?
1: Yes, I came okay. in 2012. So
0: so then, I guess, tell me a little bit about before then, you know, um, what it was like to get used to living life and using that wheelchair.
1: Yeah, uh, it wasn't easy, you know, and, and um, it's, it's it's a different life, you know. And I felt like my life was turned upside down, you know, uh-huh. uh, especially being in Africa. If you, if you have disability, as I say before, you are seen as nobody. And so I felt like, you know, I this young guy, young boy full of life, but all of a sudden my life had been just cut off, you know, and I'm here in a wheelchair, uh, thinking that I don't have any future, I don't have life after this, you know? I'm mm-hmm. just gonna wait until I die in this wheelchair. And so so it was a, uh, difficult at that time, but I had a lot of incredible people. Uh, the mission doctor was really very encouraging, encouraging to me, his, his wife also, um, they just encouraged me and they say, you know, we see a lot in you, we see potential in you, Michael so you're gonna go to school and you're gonna do well you know so just hearing those uh those words really encouraged me and so yeah and, and i started to use a wheelchair uh, in africa it's not easy being a person uh, in a wheelchair because a lot of places are not accessible mm. so accessibility was a huge challenge to me i was not able to go to many places i could not you know uh, I could not go and play with other kids, you know, because of being in a wheelchair. So those were really challenge. But uh, I took that time to uh, study, you know, because I didn't go to school before then. And I was just so excited to have the opportunity to be able to go to school. Because this is something that I've been dreaming about. And yeah, I was being being given this uh, uh, opportunity of a lifetime, you know, so I was really excited about that.
0: You were telling me about in Sudan that if you showed me pictures when we um, were chatting a couple weeks ago at the Dare to Try event, and the pictures were of little kids who had no help. They had no use of their legs. They weren't even able to sit up. They were just laying down, lying down. What are some of the obstacles, you know, besides the war, that your former country faces?
1: Yeah. So you know, um, people with disability faces face a lot of things, especially uh, the community themselves. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they they don't embrace. You know, uh, people with disability. Uh, if you have a child with disability. Uh, they think that is a cuss, something we've done something. And so the family will either go and throw uh, the, the, the kids away, you know. And so sometimes you will find all these kids being collected on the side of the road that have been abandoned uh, by the family. Uh, and just because of the social stigma that the people have there. Uh, and then the same thing, there's no uh, anything in place. From the government on how you know how to take care of people with disability, the government doesn't uh, provide any uh, uh, anything to them. You know, like mobility devices, any special training to the families, and how to better take care of their family of the person with disability. So those are just a challenge that uh, a person with disability faces every single day. They don't have access to go to school, you know, and even if you have an opportunity, um, then you cannot be able to get a job because you are considered uh, less than the other people in the society. So people with disability struggle every single day.
0: I know when it comes to a lot of Western countries, um, because of people born into the privilege, the way of life, the access to medical attention and You know, any type of devices that they might need if they are born with a disability in places here like the United States or in in Europe, they are not even aware that this is a problem that persists in African countries. On the opposite end of it, some of the people that you grew up around, were they aware that there was a different way um, for these children who were born with disabilities to grow up and to live or was that information just lost in between these different parts of the world?
1: Yeah, um, the people, you know, they they are not educated. There's no, they don't know if there's a different way of life of people with disability around the world. You know,
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: was something that I found out when I came here to the United States. You know, I was really uh, blown away and overwhelmed. Uh, when I saw, uh, what is available for people with disability, what they can do, what they, you know, um, you know, like being able to drive now is like, that is, if you tell somebody back in Africa, they will not believe it. You know, if I told them, Hey, I drive, I could do everything on myself, you know, they will yeah, say, no, that's not true. Um, because they, uh, they haven't been uh, taught about what a person with disability is capable of doing you know um so so just getting there and maybe and that's some of the things that we do through living with sobe to training uh people in the community uh telling them you know these people have potential and if you do this and this they will be able to achieve that potential you know so
0: and that's where i wanted to start Um, talking about living with hope and the whole structure of the organization, who are you partnered with? Who, who, all, all I know about living with hope is that it's you, you are the person who did it. So tell me more about your organization and, uh, what you guys do and who else is, is working with you.
1: Yes. So living with hope, as I told you, is an organization that, uh, Provide hope through the Give Up Mobility, and uh, and started out of my personal story, as you just heard a lot about uh, my background. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was a young guy uh, who came here to the U.S. in a wheelchair and was open, you know, my world just kind of opened to this uh, way of life for person with disability, and and just remember back in Africa, how the people with disability live, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my uh, my first school that I went to for kids with disability. And uh, they were literally crawling to the class. And those images were in my head. And so when I came here and be able to have uh, a lot of opportunity, be able to finish school and work, I say, you know, I will be so selfish if I, I don't do something in Africa. Uh, I have learned so much here, and I want to take this—the thing that I've learned—back to Africa. And one thing I want to do is to provide mobility because I—I I could, you know, I could tell myself, you know, because I'm in a wheelchair, and I—I I, I know the need of uh, uh, of people with disability there. So, so that's how it all started. And what we do, we collect wheelchairs uh, around the U.S. Um, because a lot of people get their wheelchair through uh, insurance and maybe after uh, you get better or somebody has passed uh, then they don't have any way like to sell it there's no second market for it so some people actually literally throw them away and I say you know this wheelchair could actually give hope to somebody back in Africa it'll get somebody out of the dirt and on the ground and, and have give them a little bit of dignity. So we collect some of the wheelchairs here, get refurbished, her and we buy uh, children a wheelchair that are hard to find, um, and then we put them in a container, send them to Africa, and then we will take a team of physical therapists, mechanics, and we will go there and run a clinic where we feed each of uh, each person with a wheelchair.
0: It sounds so simple. The whole thought process, the theory, like not even realizing. And I think that's going to be something that's very eye-opening to a lot of people that, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of family members who have been in wheelchairs because of short term disability um, issues that, you know, once they got better and they went through rehab and and were walking again, that that they didn't need the wheelchair anymore, even my elderly family. Um, But a place for these to go and yes. a purpose yes and, and, and
1: just to add to add on that um um you know it's, we're not just only collecting wheelchair we are collecting crutches workers and canes so that's a lot more you know people who will if you break your legs and you're given a crutches and then you get better and those crutches are thrown away you know so and the people that that need them you know that will not be able to Work because they, you
0: know, they just
1: didn't have those crutches. And if you give them crutches, they're able to work, you know? So, yeah.
0: Now, you just started this in 2018. And since that point in time, what is the impact that you've been able to make for the disabled community in the area you used to live?
1: Yeah, it just, uh, it's been incredible. You know, we started this in 2018. I remember was able to. You know, send a container, my first container there. Uh, I had only 200 wheelchairs and, you know, other mobility devices. And I took a team here. I was able to convince uh, some few friends, say, hey, you guys want to come with me and see what I've been talking about, you know. Because sometimes when you talk about something and you don't see it, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't believe, you know. So I say, you can come with me, you know, you'll be able to help me. Share the stories when you come back. So I took maybe seventeen people with me, wow. and we went there, and we uh, ran our first clinic. And uh, during that clinic, we had two hundred wheelchairs, and over a thousand people showed up, and little a lot of people were crawling on the ground, and that was just an eye opening to some of my friends that when just seeing a person just crawling, you know or seeing a big person being carried uh, by the parent, that mom or dad to the uh, distribution center. Some of them are 40s, in their 40s, but they've been laying on the ground, you know, and just seeing those raw images, you know, uh, really open eyes for a lot of people. And when we came back, you know, I started working a lot more and seeing 2018, even though it was COVID-19, Uh, we were able to, uh, we have distributed over 3000 wheelchairs so far, and that doesn't include workers and crutches. So I feel like we have served close to six, uh, 6,000, uh, people with disability, but that is just like a drop in the ocean because the need is, uh, yeah, is uh, overwhelming. You know, we have a list of people that are still waiting since 2019 for a wheelchair and then we don't have a lot, you
0: know? I love the way that you started this with um this, your answer just now. You started by saying when we first started this in 2018, we had only 200 wheelchairs that we brought in a container. And that is an astronomical amount to start off with and only work up from there. Like what has been the response for living with hope? Who, has started backing you and supporting you. And what have you seen with just people willing to help you build this organization in the past four years?
1: Yeah, you know, and it's all started with uh, uh, people that I've, I've, I've come in contact with here. A lot of friends that have come alongside me to be able to do this because this was just a dream, you know? Uh and I myself could not do it alone, you know Uh, I needed people and some friends that just come alongside and uh, just few individuals who had the passion as I did and who have seen the needs uh, just came alongside and they've been helping me a lot Uh, we are you know as as I say we just started in 2018 so we are still very young and I think there is a potential for this organization to to grow and to serve a lot of people. So it's all about just getting the word out there uh, to the community and uh, yet in the country and and see who will be touched and who want to be a part of this uh, uh, amazing cause to be able to impact the life of people with disability in Africa.
0: Yeah. So those connections, then getting everything over to Africa. What are some of the organizations? that you work with when you go over there? Are they African-based hospitals or nonprofits? Are they, um, you know? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
1: so in Africa, we work with a uh, uh, hospital. Actually, the hospital that w- that treated me, mm. uh, you know, uh, we, we was able to go back then. They they couldn't, couldn't believe it. You know, they say our son is back. And so yeah, our first trip back in 2018, it was a big celebration for them just to see, you know, me, I was there in one of the beds, and uh, now I'm coming back and, and, and doing this. So it was just incredible. So we work with um, uh, hospital schools uh, and, and just their local churches in the area, um, local governments. Um, so just uh, be able to reach more people in the community because people with disability are hidden a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find them. You know, if I just go there and show up, like, hey, where are people with disabilities? You'd not be able to find them. We have to go to the community, have to go to each household and mm-hmm. ask, you know, ask them and say, hey, if you have a person with disabilities, please, yeah, don't hide them, bring them here. We want to serve them, and it's just been incredible, you know, for them to 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 see that there's some people that want to to, yeah. to make impact in their life.
0: And like when you say hiding them, I know that you were talking about how there's a different type of stigma, but also it's just because they don't have the the means to be able to, to move out of their house, correct? Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So some of them will just be there in the house, you know, the only way you could just get them outside and maybe, you know, they will not move to. Uh, a different town, you know, Mm -hmm. so they're always just inside. And if the parents are getting older and you're growing, it's hard for them to carry them out, you know. So most of the time they will just be inside. They cannot even come out to to enjoy the sun, you know.
0: What What are the next steps in, you know, your dreams and aspirations for this organization? Where do you want to see it go? Who are you looking to partner with and grow with?
1: Uh, we are really just, you know, looking to partner with anybody who, who will see this and they want to make an impact. Um, and the need, as I say, is uh, very overwhelming. Uh, right now, we are serving in in Kenya, Ethiopia, uh, South Sudan, and we are trying to kind of do in that East Africa and maybe, in you know, our goal is to serve Africa as a whole. Yeah, as a whole, you know, so um. The big thing for us is maybe uh, this wheelchair could easily be made there, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: so um, if I have, we have the means, I think my biggest goal is to build some of this wheelchair there. Uh, that will bring more sustainability uh, because if my is not there in the next few years, and the factory is there making wheelchairs. I feel like it will continue, yeah. but if I'm just sending wheelchairs and I'm not longer uh, there, you know, then this uh this mission will end, you know. So just looking in that term, I feel like it will be great to uh, start making something like this uh of this wheelchair in Africa.
0: That's a great aspiration to have, especially because it would bring jobs to the, the communities and
1: absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: other you know. Uh, medical professionals would be needed to help fit the individuals. Yes. There could be so much. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Michael, I love your story so much. I am. I just met you, and it's so heartwarming. I'm so proud to have met you, and it's unbelievable that there are people like you making oh, a difference like this. Thank you so like much. This. Thank
1: you so much. You know, for me, let's uh, say you know. Um, it, this is this is something that I love doing, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think I mentioned to you that you know, my story. You know, I think sometimes, you know, uh-huh. your deepest uh, passion come out of your deepest pain. You know, uh, I, I had a lot of struggle in my life, but those struggle, have turned into passion, uh, and it's something beautiful for me uh, to be able to do this. So every day. When I got, you know, I, I love sharing about what we are doing. I love going back to Africa and serve with people with disability. I'm just enjoying it a lot.
0: I hope that you have a little bit more time for me right now because we didn't even get into your whole Chicago Marathon aspirations yet.
1: <laughs> Do, <laughs> yeah, did you I have, have time.
0: I okay, have time. good deal. Um, Yeah, because you just participated in the Bank of America Shamrock Shuffle and you took a first male wheelchair athlete in that race. Um, was that the longest distance you had ever done to this point, or had you done something, you know, about 4.9 or 4.89 miles before?
1: Yes, uh, the week before, you know, I was able to get uh, get the bike out and just doing a little bit, doing a little bit of uh, you know, outdoor year. You know, the weather is not the best year, and, being from Africa, you know, I don't like the cold. So I always don't want to come out of the house during the winter, you know. So I haven't been out a lot uh, most of the time with my bike.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but um, the week before, I was able to get out for a couple of times. And then, you know, and then I was there. So it was really a very um, challenging my first time doing it and i don't i didn't know a lot about racing in uh, in uh, those kind of uh race you know this was my first time so i was really you know, very surprised seeing some other uh people um you know with disability with different bikes and you know different gloves and the way the way they were pushing themselves you know so it was uh was very interested but uh, interesting to to see that uh but it was just it was awesome you know Uh, I felt, you know, going up the hill at some point that I was going to give up, but I finished the race and that was uh, something that I was so happy about the longest I've done, but I think I could do the Chicago Marathon.
0: (laughs) And you're going to go for it. Um, Yeah, you were talking about gloves. Did you wear gloves that day?
1: Yes, I did have some, but they're just a normal gloves. So uh, some of the people there were able to advise me on what I need to gate and even the the racing bike that i had say that it's just for the learners mm-hmm. so you know i think you need like a true racing bike uh, and so i've been working with the dead try uh, and other uh, people who has the who knows a lot about racing to help me uh, get a better bike and get fitted with a better bike that i would use for the marathon
0: yeah. So what have they been able to help you figure out um, or like what are some little things that you've learned when it comes to the differences with the racing bikes, the equipment that you will need to continue this racing career?
1: Yeah, it, it, was, it was just uh, different. Yeah, it was very, some of the things that I never thought of, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it, I was, first it was just the glove It's like, hey, you need this glove that you don't even have to to hold. the uh, uh the the wheels you know the ribs to push instead you can just push it down and you can keep the momentum going on uh, the, the bike you could sit low you could uh you know lean forward so that you know you go a little faster and so the the dare to try guys were able to help me get the get fitted with the, one of the bikes that they have and i i could all already i could see the difference and and now I'm I'm trying to get a new bike that I will be using. So so it's just just, just a whole new training uh, that I'm gonna be doing in the next few months.
0: Yeah. So have you officially began your training yet for uh, the Chicago Marathon? Do you consider it training? Have you gotten into the schedule of what you're gonna do? Uh roughly. You know, I I've been like you know
1: started, but um, you know trying to doing like some strength uh training making sure that you know i am a little stronger a little bit Uh, i got the 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 loaner bike from there to try to use it now so i've been kind of going you know in the parking lot and push myself a little bit for an hour just to get you know uh, i don't want to overdo it and getting slowly you know just so that i don't get injured I uh, don't want to do ten miles or right away. So, yeah. gotta do like a mile, couple of miles, and then see how it goes from there.
0: Yeah, because with that you might think that it's going great, and then all of a sudden the next morning you wake up and realize you pulled your shoulder out or yes, something. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> yes. And I, I gotta be careful for that. So uh. I just, uh, I just take it slow, and I, I don't want to be also be intimidated by some people like you met Sam at the day to try. Yeah, that could just fly, you know.
0: She's a badass. But
1: this, it, it taken a few years for them to be able to do that, and I'm just started. So I, I felt like, hey, maybe I don't want to get intimidated. I'm just gonna take my with my space, you know. Mm-hmm. See what I could do, and you know, maybe one day I will be like these guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so. You said that you dislike the cold Chicago weather and we've had disgusting weather for the past, oh, I think we're on like day number 43 now of yeah. cloudy skies and like rain. Um, yes. What about your training when it comes to the different conditions? How does it differ um, when when you have to get out there and put in the miles when it's raining or windy or storming?
1: Yes. Yes. So right, right now what I'm, I told people, I said, you know, I'm just praying for, best weather for the Chicago Marathon Day, maybe 65 degrees all the way, you know, I will be very happy and mm-hmm. that's what I'm praying for. You know, I don't want to <laughs> go through the rain or snow or, you know, or 100 degrees, you know. <sighs> so I'm just hoping that uh, the, the weather will be nice on that day. So uh, if out there you could pray for me with that, you know, just so that we have a perfect weather. Yeah. But yeah, I have been trying to God. In the worst condition right now, I'm just just trying to train normally, and maybe I could be able to do on a rainy day just to get get used to it, so that I know that if it is rainy, they will not cancel the marathon. You know, the marathon goes on. You know, so yeah, I want to make sure that I will train in those kind of conditions.
0: Yeah, like what's the bike like when it comes to grip and stuff? Um, you know, running shoes can get slick if it's wet outside. What are the tires like on racing bikes? Um, Yeah, I
1: think it's going to be sleek too, you know? Okay. And some of the, the, and that's what is kind of going to be different with the glove that I'm going to use. You don't have to grip, you know, you're just going to keep pushing. Yeah. So it may be a little bit slippery, but, you know, you just got to do it, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you also have a training partner who's going to be running next to you while you are racing. Tell me a little bit about your, like, what you look forward to about having a partner through this.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, it's good to have somebody that will really encourage you and cheer you on, you know, oh, as I'm doing this now, sometimes, like, I'm going to give up, you know, but if I have somebody that's like, hey, go, Michael, you could do it, and I'm here alongside you, I'm doing it myself, too, that really motivates now, so that is going to motivate me a lot, so I'm just... uh excited about that
0: um and then you are raising funds in order to make living with hope bigger to donate more wheelchairs like how how are you going about yes. this the whole fundraising yes
1: so my goal is to uh raise about uh, so the big need as I as a goal is a lot of children are laying on the ground at the moment that don't have a mobility devices and so i just been uh I'm thinking what I need to do uh, to be able to meet this need because the needs are just overwhelming. And that's why I had this crazy idea that I'm gonna do Chicago Marathon for the first time. And and my goal is to raise funds to cover the cost of 900 uh, pediatric wheelchairs uh, for children wheelchairs. So each wheelchair costs about 275. And so, uh, it's a huge goal, but I feel like, you know, if a lot of people could see what I'm doing, and they will want to partner with me.
0: So, uh, do you know the total that that comes out to without pulling out a calculator right now and trying to do the math? Have you already done that?
1: (laughs) The total is about, I would say, uh, 247,000, around that.
2: Wow. So,
1: that's... uh, A bigger goal but if you break it down you know 275 Mm -hmm. is something that is you know a lot of people here could be able to do in a year you know if they say hey i'm gonna save about five dollars a day to be able to get a pediatric wheelchair for a kid you know i think it's doable and we have a lot of people here in the in the country that you a lot more people hear about this we could easily meet the
0: goal yeah this is a little bit of a side question Yes. Have any insurance companies been made aware of what you're doing? Do insurance companies know so they would be able to help with this?
1: Uh, you know, not really. We we contacted a lot of like some of the uh, wheelchair providers. Okay. You know, uh, but you know, sometimes you know they're more focused in business wise. You know, providing. Yeah. Wheelchairs, where they get the insurance from people here,
2: uh-huh.
1: um, but we contact you know a couple that uh, there's one of the uh, medical uh, companies that is able to give us a good deal on wheelchairs that we purchase for the kids. But other than that, there's not a lot of insurance uh, companies that uh, we have come in contact that wanted to support. But I know that they are there out there, and,
2: uh-huh. you know
1: if I have the right contact, I feel like they will be able to support. So, to just add a little bit about the uh, weather, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first time I came to the US, uh, it was in the summer, and I came to Michigan, and everybody was so excited about the weather, you know, everybody talking about the weather, how nice it is, I'm like, what is it about the weather, you know, and I was planning to go to school in Michigan. But then they told me, like, hey, you know what? You, this is the only time of the year that is really nice. The rest of the time, look like this. And they pull somebody, pulled out a picture of the snow and how cold it is. And I say, okay, there's somewhere nice and warm that I want to go because I don't think I want to go to school here, you know. And that's how I ended up in Louisiana. So I went to school in Louisiana because of the weather, you know.
0: And then you ended up back here.
1: And then I, you know, that's the thing, you know, something that you always say no to will always come back at you, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know why I came back here, but yes.
0: I don't know. Every part of this country has its pros and its cons when it comes to the weather. Yeah.
1: There's no perfect place, you know, there's always every place will have imperfect things about it, you know. So, you just have to live with it.
0: I don't know if you have anything else. To add at this point,
1: um, I think, I think that's about it. You know, I am just excited to be able to, um, to do the Chicago Marathon and be able to bring hope and dignity and mobility to people with disability in Africa. Uh, I know uh, there's so many who will be blessed through uh, these uh, these uh, marathon. It's not gonna be easy on me, I know for sure, but it's gonna be all worth it when I see some of these kids sitting in their wheelchairs, you know, and that would make, yeah, that would mean well to me. So I'm very excited about that.
0: A big thank you to Michael Panther Man for sitting down and telling me his story. Thank you for spreading the word about Living With Hope and Miles For Change. More information about Living With Hope at milesforchangepodcast.com plus pictures of Michael and his new racing wheelchair. Also, big thank yous to producers Keith Conrad and Tony Lasano, music composer Meg Mills, I'm Jen DeSalvo, reminding you that chafing happens everywhere. We learned that today, even on your hands. So like Michael, if you need pointers, reach out to our friends at Dare to Try. And then subscribe and tell your friends all about the neat things you learn and the cool people you meet here on Miles for Change.